In the Lab, a Texans podcast that takes a different look at things. Drew Doherty and John Harris have their lab coats and goggles on and the Bunsen burners burning. Here's Drew. Boy, it's been a while, but we are back. This is In the Lab. I'm Drew Doherty. You're John Harris. John, it's good to see you, man. It's good to see you, Drew. I'm going to say this to the people, and I don't know whether I should or not, but I'm going to anyways. Congratulations, my man, because for those people out there, each and every year in Houston Texans, our business ops side, we have an award called Spirit of the Bull, and it's given annually to the person that most exemplifies what it is to be a Houston Texans employee. And my Interlab partner across from me earned that Probably in 2017, 2018, but he got it finally in 2019. And I say this as a partner, as your next-door neighbor, as your pal, as pseudo-family. You're the best, man. And working with you is pretty awesome. And when you stood up there, you actually got a little emotional about it, which I'll rat you up for that. But I thought it was really (laughs) cool because I know what it means to you to work for this organization, what it means to work for this team, to be around this team. And you really embody what this organization should all be about. So congratulations to Drew Doherty, the 2019 Spirit of the Bull Award winner, man. I was so happy for you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. It's really sweetie to say that. And uh, you were one of the first to give me a big hug afterwards. So yeah, man. that meant quite a bit, too. Hey, it's been a while since we've talked, obviously. Yeah. I don't think we've done one since the season ended. And uh, I'm still not over it. I know you're not over it. You know, Drew, I, I don't know about you, but... This one has stayed with me for a lot longer. Absolutely. And I remember we lost to the Patriots in 16 up there. I just kind of felt like, I don't know why, I, I felt more encouraged maybe. I wasn't totally sure. I just yeah. I just felt like, man, this defense was phenomenal. And it didn't have J.J. Watt. Yeah. Wow. Now, I wasn't totally sure. At the time, I'll be honest, I didn't. I know people have said, oh, this is revisionist history. And I was like, no, not really. I did not think that we were going to bring Brock back. So I was like, what are we going to do about a quarterback? But, man, this defense, holy cow, I love this defense. So, and I also went to New England really with no, I I just, I thought we'd play well. Mm -hmm. I thought we'd play hard, but I just felt like New England was really good that year. And obviously they won won a championship. I felt like we were on par with Kansas City to a degree, but. We just ran into a buzzsaw. We ran into a team that well, was fresh, rested, and hot. And I, and I just, you know, you get out the twenty-four to nothing lead, and you know, you just have it kind of crumble under your feet. I just felt like that should have been a game that should have been like thirty-eight, thirty-five in one of the classics. And yeah, I've see, I've just done did the, turn into that. I've done, I've gone through it pretty much every day, a few times a day in my mind. Like, what if we, yeah. done, what if the Texans had done this on the? Now going into the game, I thought the Chiefs were better. I didn't think they were nine and a half points better, yeah. but. I thought, okay, it's understandable. They should be favored in this game. They've, they've got a, they've had a bye week. They're, they're playing tremendous. Home. Yeah, they're a great team. But the Texans had beaten them there, yep. and it, I think that's probably the, the the signature win of the season. If you think about who you beat, uh, how you did it, so I was like, they have a chance. This is not. You've always got a chance with Deshaun Watson, but it's not like, you know, it'd be some fairy tale if you beat them. Right. Right. And then you go up on them twenty. You go up on them twenty-one nothing, and then you get to that point, and it. I started to kind of. I never felt safe ever, right? But I was very confident, and it started to take a little bit of a hit when 
there was the hesitation and you, you wind up kicking the field goal. Yeah. I was like, mm, I didn't like that. I, I didn't right. like the way it went at the time. And then the kickoff, like I keep replaying it. Okay, so maybe you get the first down there and you run another minute or so off the clock and then you score a touchdown, you go up 28 nothing. So then you've whittled time away. And this is a fruitless exercise. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's over. Right, but, right. you know, maybe you, you, you keep covering well like you had been on your right. previous three kickoffs. You had dropped right. Nicole Hardman sh- sh- short of the 25 every yeah, single time. A time. couple times. Special time teams yeah. was, was outstanding. As it had been like the last month, it was outstanding in that first quarter. So let's make them go three minutes to score that next touchdown. But that's okay. It's 28-7 and, hey, Let's see what Deshaun does, and maybe he can answer with another touchdown or another right. field goal burn, like five minutes. Right. And then you go into the half, and they only have 14 points. Anyhow, whatever. What am I doing? Yeah. I, 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 that, that's why you. it stuck with me, because you were up big, and you were coming home, and in my heart of hearts, I don't care how impressive Tennessee was uh, in the playoffs. Oh, they weren't beating us here. They've not beaten Deshaun Watson in this building. I mean, they've gotten collapsed in this building with Deshaun Watson under quarterback, and I think that would have happened because I've shared with you, and I can't, I, I just can't do it on this podcast. But there were going to be some big, big things, entertainment wise, mm-hmm. former athlete wise. Yeah. There were going to be some, some guys and gals in this building that would have sent this place into yeah. an absolute frenzy yep. in comparison to what it was the last quarter and a half against Buffalo. Yep. That would have looked like uh, a preseason game. Yeah, it. You know, I think that's the one thing that bothered me. I'm, we were on a we were on a bus over to the game, and I can't remember who I was sitting with, but you know, hey, what'd you think of that last night? And I just said, well, I said the winner of this game is going to the Super Bowl because I don't think either team is going to lose at home to the Titans. Yeah. The Chiefs had the Chiefs had lost to Tennessee in Tennessee and shouldn't have lost that game. We lost that game, so there's a little bit of a revenge factor. Plus, they're playing at home. We had lost that playoff game. They're celebrating on our field after you know beating our our you know JV team. And I thought it was interesting because somebody had mentioned it during the broadcast. I think maybe Nance mentioned it during the broadcast. Like, oh yeah, Tennessee did beat Houston, but they're playing the the JV team basically. <laughs> that they'd be playing the varsity. And I think he used those terms. So it was frustrating uh, from from that regard. I thought it was interesting. I went and I watched the 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 mic'd up for for that game. And I found the week, on, the week seventeen game. No, the I'm sorry, the uh, Kansas City game. The Ch- our Chiefs, yeah, our Chiefs okay. playoff game. And I thought it was really interesting. First of all, the one thing that stood off right off the bat, I don't know if you, I know you probably caught it, but you're like, I know we on the broadcast were like shocked a little bit. We won the toss, and we took the ball. Yeah. And so I'm watching the mic'd up, and it was such a big deal. Andy Reid walked over to Patrick Mahomes and was like, "They just took the ball for the first time all year." And both of them kind of looked at each other. You could see them kind of look at each other like, hmm. whoa, okay. I mean, it was. Yeah, now they kicked. They, they received a few times this year because they lost the toss. Right, because they but, lost the toss. But they. But when never, the Texans won the toss in 2019, they always deferred. Always they deferred. wanted the ball out of the the, 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 uh, the locker. Out, out of the, the locker room. And yep. there's. Now, what they did against the Chiefs, it made sense because this is. And he didn't come up with this, but he's, he's the guy I think of whenever I see this. Mike Leach was always like, I want the ball because. It gives me a f- another chance to score. Yeah, you know, it's you get a chance to score. Possession. Yeah, yeah, and, because you got to score on those guys. Like yeah. you've, you've said many times, and anybody, you can't kick field goals against those no, guys. You got to score can't. touchdowns. And the fact that they hadn't scored a touchdown on an opening drive all year, and they go down and score a touchdown, I'm like with Deshaun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, with but Deshaun, Karen right. did it in that right. week seven. But with Deshaun, Deshaun and them, and 
Which, by the way, is the biggest anomaly I think I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's weird. The f- Anyways, but you took the ball, you make that statement, then you go down and score. So to me, it's seven and nothing. I'm feeling like, all right, let's go Kansas City. Let's see what you got because obviously our guys came to play, yeah. and that was evidence right there. But you know, as they say, if hands and butts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a merry Christmas. Yeah. And you know, I'm sure a lot of people had good Christmases, but they didn't have good Januarys, and maybe no. some of that was because of that loss. But anyways, now it's on to 2020, and yeah. I, the off season, you know, as as happens, there'll be there'll be changes, and I think that's the other thing, Drew, that I with this 2019 team, it was a different team from all the others. There were so many changes. There were so many new players to it. And in some respect, you kind of didn't know what you were going to see from week to week. So it made it really exciting. Like, what team are you going to see? Yeah. And you had games where you beat the Colts, you beat the Patriots, you beat the Chiefs. You had those games. You win a division in Tampa. You beat Tennessee in Tennessee when everybody thought they were the hottest thing Ever and you'd never been to London before. You'd never you never faced a five hundred Jacksonville team that was playing Dominate for a lot. Them. And I mean that, that was your most complete game. Yeah, start to finish. I mean you really and you had no Laramie in that game. Yeah, uh, pounded. You had them. no Fuller. I mean it, it was, and you won't have that team together again. And that's the no. thing. It's you know it'll be the Texans and there will be a lot of the same. You know, Sean will still be the quarterback. Bill O'Brien's the head coach. There will be a lot of similarities. But it won't be the same team. And, you know, 2018, 2018 was much different than 2019, even though it was 11 and 5, 10 and 6, and won the AFC South. That was a good team. It and was I think much I, different. I think that 18 team was a really good team. Yeah. I think the 19 team was better. Yeah. And I know there's lots of question marks, and I understand them. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to be optimistic with a quarterback going into his third year as a starter, full yeah. third full year as yeah. a starter. And yep. I'm. He'll always give me hope no matter what else is going on around him. Yeah. Always. That's, that's the one thing you always remind us of. Sometimes you get kind of lost in the minutia yep. of And I understand. Football life listen, and I, I know. I've, I've been around these parts a long time. And yep. I understand. So I'm not poo-pooing any of those things. I'm just saying I can uh, I can still see good things in the future. Yep. All right. Here's what we're going to do today. Um, Ten minutes into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get that stuff off our chest. Of I course. Cuss there. Uh, yeah. We're going to very briefly go through your offensive player at the Senior Bowl who you loved, who might be available when the Texans pick. Okay. Ooh, your okay. defensive player at the Senior Bowl who you loved, mm-hmm. who might be available when the Texans pick. So we're going to go through those things. Then you and I are going to both give a rookie or second-year Texan from 2019. So a guy who was a rookie last year or is in his second year in, 20, uh, in 2019 who's going to make a big leap okay. in twenty. And then we're going to wrap things off with a little story time. Wrap things up with a little story time. Our favorite off the field encounter of last week. You were in Mobile. I was here in Houston, but I got to go to the red carpet. Oh yeah, at the That's Houston right. Sports Awards, and I was a big fan girl, dude. Yeah. I uh, <laughs> I kind of wigged out a few times, but yeah, you were in Mobile. I've I've made that trip many times. Didn't go this year, but it's always a cool time to get an up close look at guys who you've seen on tape, and sometimes you've seen them in person, but for the the most part. You've not seen most of these guys in person yeah. up close. Offensively, we've heard and saw a lot of stuff from you and from a lot of folks on Twitter all through last week about guys that impressed at the Senior Bowl practices. You were at those Senior Bowl practices. Yeah. Give me an offensive guy who might be available for the Texans when they pick. 
Is it Baylor's Denzel Mims? Is he going to be gone? Is he going to be around that time? Is it that guy from Liberty? Who did you really, really like who might be there? Be there If nothing changes and the second rounder is the first pick of the Texans, yeah. who's going to be there? Well, you, you mentioned two guys that really stood out to me, and Denzel Mims from Baylor and Antonio Gandy-Golden from Liberty. When I watched I – was, I was in watching – uh, tape on Wednesday with our, our buddy Fran Duffy from the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. Does a lot of the same kind of X's and O's stuff that, that I do. And, and Fran's great. We've gotten to be friends over the years. So he was sitting there and he was watching wide receivers and DBs go one-on-one. And so I just kind of sat down and as we're watching, we're kind of chopping it up about each guy. And so Antonio Gandy-Golden pops up from Liberty and I'm watching him. He's wearing number 11. And I'm watching him. I'm like, that's A.J. Brown. And Fran, like, stops it, runs it back, and goes, yeah, I could see that. I think that – I think A.J.'s probably a shade faster, but I think Antonio, Antonio Gandy-Golden's a little bit bigger and a little taller. He's, like, 6'3", and uh, A.J.'s 6'1", so he's got about like two, three inches. But he caught everything. I mean, he beat everybody. I mean, it was it was phenomenal to watch Antonio Gandy-Golden work. Denzel Mims caught everything thrown his way. I mean, he was just – he was just outstanding. Outstandingly good. I'm going to give you one guy that I really liked, and I don't know if the Texans will be in the market for a running back or not. I, I don't know. Um, I did like Damian Lewis from LSU at guard. Really liked him. Just strong. I talked to him, did a one-on-one with him at the Senior Bowl, and he is country strong, man. Holy smokes. I, I saw him do things. I was like, man. And Band of Brothers fans, this is not the Damian Lewis who portrayed no, Major no, 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 no. Dick Winters. No. Uh, or the guy Homeland. from Billionaires. Yeah. yeah. Or Homeland. Or Homeland, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, this is Damian Lewis. Some things. This is a uh, man, soul-crushing dude. Um, Kansas guard Akeem Adeniji was really good, too. But back to the running backs. I don't know what – I don't know what's in store for the running backs. I know Duke's under contract. Karan Higdon is a futures contract. Going to hear from Karan. Most yeah, I, I think so too. I think a guy that was similar to Karan a little bit was Joshua Kelly out of UCLA. I and, and there was another one with, and I'll mention him in a second. But Kelly, every time I saw Kelly run the football, I'm like, he's seen. And I would, I watched a lot of the the inside drill or team drill from the end zone, so I could see. And I like doing that because the former safety, I could see things. You could see things open up, and you could see where Kelly was seeing runs and seeing alleys to run that other guys weren't seeing. And then he was just like, he's not a fast guy. He's quicker than he is fast. But he really popped on the scene in 2018. Had a great 2018. I don't think he had a great 2019. But tough, smart, dependable. You know, that's the kind of guy. Played for Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, obviously, is a guy that Bill O'Brien knows. Joshua Kelly is not a guy you would draft in the second round. He's probably going to be a day three guy. Hmm. More than likely, he'll be a day three guy. But I would love to see a guy like that in day three. Another guy that really stood out from a running back standpoint and played in the SEC, and I think he is tough. I think he's got a great story, and that's Michael P. Ryan. Michael P. Ryan's running back out of Florida. And the story, he's from Mobile, and the story was that he took a bus on his own to go to camp at the University of Florida because he hmm. wanted to you know, show everybody what he was all about. And so – when he went back to the Senior Bowl, they had a special day for him, I think, at his school. And they recognized him, and he's just a stand-up guy. But, man, you talk about tough, 
catch the ball out of the backfield. He gives me kind of a Duke Johnson vibe, and mm. just a kind of a younger version of that. I don't think he's as talented. I think Duke's got a lot that maybe in 2020 and beyond is utilized a little bit more, but that's kind of who Michael Pirine reminds me of. And I don't usually fall in love with running backs too much, mm-hmm. but those two guys I really, really liked. It makes really sense. I, I think they're – I think there's going to be some sort of addition from the outside, whether it's draft or free agency, at the running back spot. So yeah. that I I could definitely see that happen. Yeah, those make a lot of sense. Now on the yeah. defensive side of the ball, yeah, there was one guy in particular that uh-huh. stood out maybe more than than any other. And you, you know, when people ask me at the senior bowl, what, what do you think the Texans are looking for? You know, what? And I just immediately said pass yeah, rush. pass rush. Yeah, and I to, I told my my Chris Ballard story when Chris was with the Kansas City Chiefs in 2013. They already had Tom Bali. They had Justin Houston. And at that point, my draft philosophy had, had always been where your holes, address your holes. You've got to address your holes. And he they drafted D Ford, and, and Chris was a big part of that draft process. And I was like, I texted him. I was like, D Ford? He goes, he goes Johnny, you'll learn in this league. You can never have enough pass rushers. And that always stuck with me. Like, it doesn't matter that you've got Duke Edgefort coming back, that you've got Jacob Martin in his second year with the Texans. You've got Whitney that you signed to an extension that hopefully you'll have J.J. Watt coming back. You can never have enough guys that can rush the edge. And to me, Bradley and I from Utah rushes the edge with a plan better than anybody I've seen. He is He's a guy that I watched – you know, I'd heard so much about Austin Jackson from USC as a tackle, probably going to go in the first round, highly skilled tackle. In fact, he reminded me a lot of Titus watching him. Hmm. He's got some holes in his game, but kind of like Titus did coming out of college, and they, very similar. But you could see the pieces there in his game. So I watched Austin Jackson in the game against Utah because I figured, yeah, you know, he's going against Bradley and I and some of the guys from Utah. This would be good. Well, he faced a nigh pretty much the whole night, and it went. By the time I got to the third, fourth quarter, I was watching a nigh more than I was watching Jack. And just just to time out here, you're you're talking about the game during the regular season regular when season. USC played Utah. Yeah, and so I had watched that game before I went to Mobile. So I was trying to get a handle on some of the guys that declared early. So I was watching Jackson, and I just couldn't take my eyes off a nigh. I had studied him during the summer, mm-hmm. but I felt like I was watching an even better and more polished guy in 2019. And then I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and I was watching one-on-ones, the pass rush one-on-ones, and left side, right side, I think he went four times. And he threw four different pass rush moves, two from each side. And I just went, that's you – don't, you don't find that. Now, so who, so who does that remind you of? Is, that, is there anybody in the, in the league that that reminds well, you of? Well, he actually sort of reminds me of Whitney a little bit in that way. Huh. But Whitney coming out, Whitney was – more one more about it, one more with his athleticism, and he was a hell of an athlete his last yes. year in, at Illinois. No led doubt, the, led the nation in sacks, led yep. the nation in forced fumbles. But I think Whitney's skill as a pass rusher was just starting to emerge when he's at Illinois. When he got here, I think he continued to add pass rush moves each and every year to where he's now got kind of a toolbox mm-hmm. of moves. You know who's like that is Duke Duke Edgefor. Duke Edgefor has got like this cadre of moves that he can throw. He's got a cross chop. He's got all kinds of different things that he can throw. It's a shame that we didn't get a chance to see him this year, and he lost this year. And hopefully the Achilles doesn't take away that explosiveness. But Bradley and I just worked, guys. Then I watched the game on Saturday, and I didn't watch the whole thing, but I watched the first half. 
And I think it was on two consecutive plays. He's rushing from the right side. And the first one, he he did a swim over Calvin Throckmorton from Oregon. Got clean to the quarterback, forced incompletion. Then he did a rip inside and got a sack hmm. on back-to-back plays. I was like two different pass moves, back-to-back plays with a hurry and a sack. And I was like, this dude, he's just – He's just stacking good play after good play. But you don't find, and it's interesting because as I watch the pass rushers, you can tell that younger guys are working more on the pass rush moves. Like they're being taught at lower levels how to use their hands better, where their hands are supposed to go, how it's supposed to be. But then they get against great competition, and then they're just kind of using their athleticism. And then I watch Bradley and I, and it's just like, I'm going to keep rolling my toolkit out, and you guys got to try and stop it. So where do you think this guy goes? I mean, I, I know it's still early there. in the process. But. I think he could be there in the second round for us. Yeah. I know people say, whoa, wait a second, wait a second. The, the reason why he might not be is because this isn't a great draft for pass rushers. Uh. This is a very good free agency crop of pass rushers. Mm-hmm. So teams are going to have to make that decision because, you know, with running – take running backs, for instance – I think it's the other way around. I don't know if I'd look at the free agent crop and go, yeah, it's a it's a good running back class. But the draft class is really, really good running back. So mm-hmm. teams may go that direction. Teams with pass rusher needs, you're looking at it going, I don't know, man. I think we need to go and spend money because we gotta have it. You know, we face this quarterback twice a year. Mm-hmm. We face that quarterback um twice a year. You gotta have guys that can rush the quarterback. So that scares me a little bit that he might not get all the way to, say, 57. But mm-hmm. if he's there at 57, it's going to be very, very intriguing because he is one heck of a player. Texans have many hecks of players that are going to be second year and third years in 2020. Out of that crop, who are you most excited about or who do you think might make the biggest leap? I'm going to start, Okay, go ahead. and I'm going to go with the very unglamorous and uh, – Maybe even just like a, this might be way too obvious, but I think after having a solid rookie year at left guard, I think you're really going to see great things and improved things and better things from Max Sharping. I like what we saw as a rookie. I yep. mean, dealing with him off the field as well, like yeah. you can tell this dude is sharp. Yeah, and is. talking with some other people in the building, they and this was before he even suited up, they marveled at how smart yeah. he was football-wise. And he, I mean, he was like a 4.0 guy yeah. in the classroom, too. But football-wise, they they said he was extremely advanced for somebody his age and really for any NFL player. Yeah. Now, he got thrown into the fire finally in week three, and he held his own. You know, they're, they're like any rookie, he could, he could play better. Yep. But I think a whole offseason with an all-pro guy, all-pro level guy at his left in Laramie Tunsil. Yep and Nick Martin to his right Mm -hmm. and center, and being in the system and not having to get ready for the draft and not having to get ready for the combine and all that other stuff Mm -hmm. and, you know, getting to just focus on football, get the break that he needs, being in the system weight weight room-wise, flexibility-wise with with all the the strength and conditioning stuff, I really think the best is yet to come for him, and I think it's coming at the right time with Deshaun Watson as he's entering his prime. And I'm really, really excited to see what Sharping does. Max Sharping is my yeah. second or rookie, second year or third year guy to watch in 2020. It's when you when you told me this was a topic. My first thought was Titus Howard, and, and he's he was 
he was it was one A and one B. Yeah, because I thought um, Ta- I thought Howard was a little bit more advanced than Sharping on the field. Yeah. last year. And I mean, it's funny because when you started saying, you know, when Max was thrown in there in week three, I started thinking about, man, what do we do in week one, week two? And Titus didn't play in week one, and then he played in week two, but he played at guard. He played mm-hmm. that left guard position, and then in week three, I remember. They're lining up before the game against the Chargers, and I'm like, it's Bosa, it's Ingram, and they're going to go and move Titus out to right tackle <laughs> and put Sharping at left guard. Like, well, And then Sharping, they moved Ingram inside to rush against him, and I'll never forget it. Ingram tried to throw a, a spin move, and Sharping just – and Max just caught him. Mm-hmm. And, like, Ingram is standing there with his back back – Literally to the quarterback with his arms up in the air, like I can't move anywhere. Look, there, and he wasn't holding him, but Max was just literally like, "You're not going anywhere, yeah. man. I got you." And I was like, "That, that to me was holy smokes. This guy's gonna be all right." Because Max, the last time I'd seen Max was at the, I'd seen him at the Senior Bowl, mm-hmm. and did he play inside in the game or? Oh, he played a tackle in the okay. Senior Bowl, but the thing was he had an ankle injury. Oh, uh, so he had actually worked with Coach Zerline. Uh, Lance Zerline, who a lot of people know, a good friend of mine. Yeah. And Lance's dad, Larry, coached in the NFL for a long time as offensive line coach. And so Max had worked with him for a couple of days and had injured his ankle, I think, before he went to go work out with Larry. So Lance was telling me, we're at the senior, we're like, man, look sharpening. I just wish he were healthy. And I was like, well, what's wrong? He's like, oh, he's dealing with an ankle injury. And so at the senior bowl, we really didn't get a great picture of Max. I did find it interesting. I was going back to my notes, and I found I found I found one of my notes saying Omenahu versus Sharping. This has been a good battle. Wow. <laughs> so they had actually. That's so he me. did play inside a little bit, and he did play and he played outside. So they they like to cross train at the senior bowl, which I think is good. Um, but Titus is the first one that came to mind. But since you went offensive line, I'm going to give you one that I think not only am I expecting it, but I think it has to happen. My only question is, at which position? And that's Lonnie Johnson Jr. Mm-hmm. And I bring that up because you you know I, you know what I've said on the air and off the air about Lonnie in safety. Yeah. I think safety might ultimately be a position that he plays because he is 6'2", 215. When you see him, you're like, that is a big dude. And the way that he can run, you think, man – what if you put Lonnie Johnson next to Justin Reed at some point, and well, now those two are your safeties? It really reminds me his his rookie year reminds me of a much less harsh version of what Kareem Jackson went through. Yeah, and I think in retrospect, with twenty twenty hind or twenty twenty hindsight, when Wade Phillips came in, they probably it would have been a real fruitful move if you'd switch Kareem to safety right way back then and let him mm-hmm. let him do what he did. It doesn't matter now. I mean, it's it's you know we've all, right. already gone down that road, but. Lonnie in the first quarter at Kansas City did okay. Yeah, I thought he did a pretty good job at Kelsey, actually. And then Hardman takes that long kickoff return yep. that kind of was one of the sparks, and Lonnie kind of hurt himself. He yeah. kind of got a hitch in his get along, yep. and then Kelsey just went off. Yeah. Now I wonder how Kelsey was going to get his no matter what. Right. I wonder how much of it though would have changed had Lonnie been fully healthy and yeah. and had Tashawn Gibson been out there. Yeah, and that's a, and that's, that's a big one too. You know, you know with with Tashawn, but I just I think Lonnie. Just watching him, the one thing that Lonnie has needed, and Lonnie has actually, and he's needed this his whole life, is, is stability. I'm curious to see what he will do with stability because he's a guy that you know grew up in, in Gary, Indiana, and I mean his story is amazing. But he grew up in Gary, Indiana. He's he's had you know a number of friends that were were shot and killed. Um, Gary, Indiana's got the highest I think murder rate or violence rate in the entire country. 
And then when it came to school and post-high school. Played a few different places. He played it. Not only did he play at different places, there were times where he, he actually stayed an additional year at Garden City Community College just to get his grades right to be able to go to Kentucky mm-hmm. and didn't play for a year. So then he goes to Kentucky. So it's like he went to like two or three different junior colleges to get it right, and then he finally goes to Kentucky for a couple of years, and then he comes to Houston. It's like he finally has got some stability here, and I'm curious what that does for him as a player, continuing to grow and learn as a player. The one thing I love about him, which I think some people may find off-putting, but I, I kind of love it, is he has confidence oozing he better, out of him. Better if you're playing that position. Like, if, if he gets beat, it's like, Next play, let's go. You yeah. got me this one, I'll get you the next one. Like, he has that belief and that ability um, and that confidence. And so I think just with stability and I think with I, – I, I think going to safety would be a great move for him. But I do think that he's got coverability. There's no doubt about that. I just think he might be more comfortable playing safety. And the Texans, in the long run, might be more uh, more – might be better off having him play safety at some point in his career and maybe mm-hmm. earlier than earlier than later. All right, um, let's wrap things up with some fun stuff. Last week was Houston Sports Awards, and Mary Lou Retton, Carl Lewis, Rudy Tomjanovich were all honored. So was Mr. McNair, got the Lifetime Achievement Award, and then a lot of other folks were there. It was pretty cool. Uh, I went to Strake Jesuit for high school, mm-hmm. and I ran track. I was a yeah. distance guy. I was like a decent you know, high school runner. Yeah, yeah. Nothing special. Well, last year, Matthew Bowling. Oh, yeah. A sprinter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he set... High school records. He won. He went to the T, the 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 UIL state meet, um, and basically turned in one of the finest performances that 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 meet's ever seen. Yeah, you know? one one gold in a few different events. Well, he was at the awards. Got to say hi to him. But really, you know what? What what the highlights of this award? The the award ceremony being on the red carpet were for me, getting to say hey to Mary Lou Retton, yeah, and Carl Lewis, because that's when I sort of started. I was a seven-year-old when yeah. uh, they were in the '84 Olympics, and I, I remember watching. I was watching rhythmic rhythmic gymnastics because I <laughs> it was on during the day, yeah, and I was yeah. just like, "Well, then let's watch the Olympics." You right. know, I but they were the the two of the big stars at that Olympics, and I got to interview them and chit chat with them and, and that cool. take pictures. So I really enjoyed that. And Mary Lou, two of her daughters have worked here. One of them is working here now, and then the other one oh, is really? for Shayla Kelly, yeah, oh, uh, who's worked at LSSE. You know, you know from LSSE, so. We, I, ended, I never put two two together. I'm I ended Indian. I ended my interview with Mary Lou, and I was like, and another reason Texans TV is interviewing you is because you've sent two of your daughters to work for us, and she'd start laughing. Oh, that's time, awesome! So. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Cool. I had no idea. I mean, obviously, you know, the name Retton probably would have hit more than Kelly, but I've I've known forever that she was married to Shannon Kelly, who had UT been at the University, yeah. University of Texas as quarterback. So I got to interview Carl Lewis and Mary Lou Retton. Top that. That's pretty cool. I don't know that I can do that. <laughs> I don't know that I can do that. There's a lot of characters, though, at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, there are. I mean, I had a chance to go to get some one-on-ones um, with uh, Cordy Davis A&M, Tremaine Ankrum from Clemson, who was excellent, by the way. Mm-hmm. He's a guy it's that— It's up on HoustonTexans.com. I would love to see Tremaine Ankrum here. He played tackle at Clemson. But I asked him about the impact of Deshaun. I thought it was he, he, gave, a, he gave a really good answer about the impact of Deshaun. And I said, I know that Deshaun had come, you know, he spoke to you guys during our bye week and and presented Coach Sweeney with the award. And I was like, well, you know, what's it like when Deshaun walks in the room? And it's like, you know, he, he he's like, he's royalty. You know, that guy's royalty. Um, you know, the cool thing just about the Senior Bowl is just being, being around, you know, you're walking down the street 
you know, down the the main street there, Royal Street, and it's like, oh, hey, there's now this year it wasn't Andy Reid, but you know, you see, uh, you see Andy Reid, or you see, hey, there's Drew Rosenhaus looking for clients. You, know, <laughs> you go up to the second level, of the Renaissance, and there's just ev- there's everybody, yeah, everybody uh, in those particular areas, and you just feel like you're in the spot. Like, everybody would want to be in It's the epicenter of the NFL universe as far as decision-making. And it's grown. Mm -hmm. It's grown immensely. Uh, I just – the number of people that were in the stands watching it – you know, my buddy Sal came from Buffalo. He's not – I don't think he's gone before. And so he went went there. He was there for a couple days. So it was always kind of interesting. But, you know, when you go to Mobile or you make that trip – I say make that trip because we flew into New Orleans. So we did hit Dragos. (laughs) Did do that. Uh, We ate. You go to Mobile, you eat very, very well. Yeah, there's no question. You oh, eat yeah. very well, and uh, this is my this is my quick story, and it has nothing to do with anybody I saw in Mobile. But um, my uh, my son had texted me on Thursday, so I was flying back on Thursday. Joe Palace and I, Joe did a great job. Joe and I were flying back on Thursday, and so my son said, "Dad, when are you coming home?" And I said, "Well, I'll be back later tonight, probably." And he said, "When you get back, can we go eat?" And I was like. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And he goes, because all I've had to eat today were some Reese's, and he goes, I had a handful of Reese's, and he basically was like, top that. I kind of tell his attitude. I was like, top that. I was like, well, I was at the Senior Bowl, and it was sponsored by Reese's, and there were Reese's everywhere. And I just got, I got the, I got the orange, you know, like mad face emoji back, <laughs> and it was just like, Busted. so yeah, he was, he was a little perturbed, but yeah, there, there are Reese's, ev- everywhere, everywhere you look, it's just like the Reese's fairy just drops them off everywhere. So it's always, it's always a cool time to go to Mobile, and now we get to go to India in a few weeks to go to Combine, which I'm looking forward to now. It's gonna be a good time. All right. Uh, you're also going to be on Texans 360 with me Saturday night after the late news on ABC 13 KTRK. So it's going to be fun. And next week on In the Lab, I believe we've got to do a redraft, a Texans redraft. And we got to go back Ooh, a ways. Yes. So instead of this guy, the Texans would have taken this guy if we'd uh, gotten in our, gotten our I DeLorean. I love redrafts, back. man. Yeah, it's been a long time. We don't do those in the season because we've got season, season stuff to talk about. But it's the offseason now, and it's our podcast, and we get to do that. And that's what we're going to do next time. We thank you for listening this time. This has been In the Lab.